Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing. This is the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson, and this is our 12th episode. And our guest this week is Matt McConkie, a staff writer on Bajillion Dollar Properties and the upcoming TV reboot of Heathers. He started out as a writer's assistant and then made the move to staffed writer. So that's really interesting to hear, especially after last week's episode with Caroline Anderson. He's a really funny guy, and it was a real delight to talk to him for an hour. So here's Matt McConkie. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Waverly, Ohio, which is a very small town that I believe is still categorized as a village on Wikipedia. Okay. Very small. Um, and it's like north of Kentucky, so it's a lot more like the south than the Midwest, even though it's Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's uh, Is there like anything special about being a village, or is it just like the size? I mean, yeah. No, I guess it's just like a fun fact that I'm not even that confident is a fact. Um, but, uh, yeah, cause normally I meet people from Ohio and they're like, Oh, cool. Where? And I, I tell them and they, they have like a Cincinnati. I'm like, "Mm, no, (laughs) Columbus. No, like no one knows what it is. And they're not missing much, honestly. (laughs) Uh, did you live there your whole childhood? Uh, Yeah. I lived there all the way through high school. Yeah. My parents are still in our house and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you did you get into comedy at all when you were there? I mean, not a ton of like mm-hmm. comedy opportunities in Waverly, Ohio. Right. We did have a drama club. I was okay. very active in it, in that I was in the plays and yeah. all that stuff. What 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 plays were? Uh, oh were my you guys god! Doing? <laughs> um, it was a lot of those like plays out of catalogs that you would just yeah. order to like <laughs> have a lot a big cast. For, right. You know, it was like prom night fright. Uh, you know, it's just like a like a a prom thriller, and uh, oh, we did like Twelve Angry Men. Of course, you got to oh, do yeah. that in high school. What juror? Um, what juror were you? I was the the one. Oh, you're I like I was like the guy. I was like oh, the one. Okay. Yeah, not yeah. to brag that I was the I was the leading man of Waverly, Ohio, but um, I don't remember what juror number he is or yeah, who plays him in the movie. I think but Henry Fond, no. No, that's not right. It was a Jack Lemon played him in the movie? No, I don't think that's right either. No. I don't anyway, know. Anyway. Only there was a way for us to find <laughs> out. Not worth it. Uh so were you watching comedy back then though? I was. I mean, I was I had like a really um gay sensibility from a very okay. young age. Like I every like cliche I I <laughs> I, you know, checked off and um but I, I get. I mean, I don't. I think the first thing I remember, comedy-wise, being like really excited about was Whoopi Goldberg's um, HBO special, which was like not even a stand-up show. It was like a. She did like. Do you know what I'm talking about? She vaguely. It, it, She's like a one-woman show. Right? It's a one-woman yeah. show. She does character monologues, and mm-hmm. it was like I was like eight years old watching her to like talk about like having an abortion and like, and being like a, like a, like a Jamaican maid who falls in love with her boss and like wanting to be a white, uh, like a white girl and Mm wearing and dreaming about that. And I, I like connected to it so much, even though I've had no reason to, and barely understood what she was talking about. But, um, but yeah. And then I just, you know, made, made dumb movies on my Uh parents camcorder with, uh, my friends and stuff. Yeah. 
um, tried to get our, our local, uh, news station to let us do like a, uh, you know, like a teen talk show got denied. It was not even good <laughs> enough for that. Um, so yeah, I like, I'm trying to think of any other, I guess. What no. would your teen talk show have been? Just like, God, I don't even know. I mean, I think I, I wanted it to be like a, like a tonight show for our <laughs> town for, and for, and for like the cool kids yeah. in, in high school. Cause it was right at that age when it was like, I had been like, uh, like a weird, obviously gay kid and then was just kind of a nerd, but then was like a likable nerd, but was kind of coming out of my shell enough that I, I was like, I could probably snag some, some, some cool guests, you know what I mean? <laughs> Didn't happen. So, uh, when you say that look, growing up as a, as a gay kid in like a small town, mm-hmm. Uh, did, was there like, I don't know, did you like uh, get refuge like in drama and stuff and, and doing I stuff guess like that? So, or... I mean, I, th- I had this old, my, I weirdly had a lot of gay friends from a very young age. Like, I don't okay. know my mom, it, every couple of years I'll be like, did you know this guy came out? She's like another one. Like what is in the <laughs> water in our town? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I got a, uh, let's pro- probably, you know, because you know everybody from from a very young age on, right. and then you grow up together in in a town like that. And so there were probably like seven of us that you know we weren't like one unit, but we were overlapping. But I, I would say I probably had like good five or six gay guys that I knew that were like my and you know you, we just were were uh, drawn to each other. There was an mm-hmm. unspoken understanding. Um. And but anyway, my friend Patrick was a year older than me, and he was the guy who introduced me to all of the. Um, he introduced me to AbFab, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I had never been interested in like British comedy before because I was like, that's like dumb boy stuff, like you know what I mean, like yeah. straight boy stuff. Like I, I don't care about Lonnie Python, but then, mm-hmm. so AbFab became like a gateway drug, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so where did you go to college? So then I went to NYU in New York. So I had a totally, you know, had my mind blown there. And um, it was obviously like such culture shock for, even though I I was like always had these really like grandiose ideas about myself. I was like, I can't wait to fucking blow up (laughs) and blow this town and, you know, get to the city. And then I did. And it was just, it was amazing. But it was like, there is just, too much stuff going on when you're I was such a late bloomer I I was like I I was a college kid who had like I was super poor I had terrible acne and braces all the way through college so I was and so and then braces all the way through college all the way until my senior year of college and I was in I was in an acting program so and I was in New York City so it was just like all of this kind of like glamour up like all around me and i i i just so it was just i i I was such an ugly duckling you know (laughs) um so you you came to nyu to for acting i went yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and you know i at the time i like it's weird because i had uh really wanted to go to film school Mm -hmm. my whole life and then my senior year of high school i just had that that kind of like that John Hughes experience where like suddenly everything's great. And like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm cool now. And I think that gave me this confidence to be like, maybe I should be a star, you know? And, 
I I sort of like like forgot about the stuff that I was kind of more like naturally better at and um and went into acting and I was there's a reason that I came to LA and tried to act for like 10 years and barely did anything you know like I was it was it was a very odd fit so it took it was a long long transition mm-hmm. into writing uh were, so were you doing any writing at all at NYU I took a couple playwriting classes yeah. and I remember being like exhilarating and so exciting and i can't believe it never i didn't i never connected the dots and i was like oh this is so much more fun for me than mm-hmm. like my fucking shakespeare classes and scene study that you know makes me want to kill myself and i'm not good at you know um so yeah i took a couple classes there and then when i i came out here immediately afterward and so um, well, why did you choose los angeles over staying in new york honestly i didn't have a I had a boyfriend here. Okay. Uh, and he, he had already moved out here and, um, and so I had a place to live and it was either, so it was, it was one or the other. I was also so done with New York by that time. Cause it mm-hmm. was, it was such a kind of like painful place to be, you know, when you're young and awkward and vulnerable. And, um, I, I have, uh, some friends who went to NYU and uh, universally, they all hate New York now, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, it it feels like I, I think a lot of people say this, but when I go back, it feels like you're you're going out to lunch with like your ex from from <laughs> high school or, or from college, and it's like it's kind of awkward. It's like bittersweet, and some some feelings come rushing back. But you're always like, oh, I remember why right. well, this didn't work out, and I'm really mm-hmm. glad it didn't. So when you when you come out to LA, uh, what do you start doing? So, I was acting. Act. I'm putting. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes because I was like basically partying a lot. Okay. I spent like my 20s at the gay bars essentially, and yeah. I worked like terrible personal assistant jobs. I the not nothing against like the people I worked for. It was just like that's just the really jobs tough. suck. Yeah. Yeah, and I did a lot of them, and um. And I did audition. I did. I did like get some commercials, and so those were these little like kind of dangling carrots that would keep me going long enough. And because it, it, was, it was a little hit of that drug of like I've been on TV, and um, but kind of just through not getting any real work, I started doing. I I would like dabble in stand up and mm-hmm. um and and I and I did the program at UCB and mm-hmm. took improv classes and and loved it. But in all those things, I just never applied myself in the way that I, I'm not trying to be like, I, if I would have tried, I would have been great. It was more just like, I do know enough to know those things take, you know, just relentless dedication night after night. And like, I never really was willing to, to give it that. And so I was not good at it, but I learned a lot that was helpful for writing. Mm-hmm. And I like, like when the UCB opened out here at a couple friends who were involved and we started doing a show there that was um, like a storytelling show, and then it and then it we it it ran for a while and um and you know we're all writing our own stuff for that, mm-hmm. and so that was when I kind of started writing my and you know I was I was like trying and stand up and I was again horrible at it but um it wasn't until like I so I did some some storytelling and like sketch stuff at the UCB and the comedy central stage. And 
that was, and so it was just slowly the realization that was like, oh, I like the writing part. And I think I'm, I think that's just a better fit for mm-hmm. me. And I still like performing and I still right. do, but it's just without any of the gross, like, I want to make it as an actor stuff. Like right. I'm not really interested in that anymore. Yeah. It's funny. I, I always hear a lot that people, uh, kind of went out here and they didn't really find any sort of success or anything until they started just doing their own projects yeah. instead of like waiting for auditions yeah. and doing stuff. Yeah, it's true. And I think it took me a long time to do that. Cause I was like, Oh, well I didn't, I, I went to school with people who majored in dramatic writing. Like, mm-hmm. who am I to just be like, oh, my other thing failed. I'll just fall back on this as, yeah, if, yeah. as if this is so easy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it was a long time of, of, of just coming around to like the realization that you just kind of start wherever you are and mm-hmm. um, that it's going to, there's going to be a big learning curve no matter what. Um, and that like, that TV writing is different that there, you know, there is obviously real writing involved, but that it's like, but that it's, it's social and it's, right. you know, um, and there is like a performative element to it. So in a weird way, I felt like all of my many failures were groomed me. Right. This, no, that makes sense. This thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you're doing stuff at UCB, mm-hmm. uh, and you're doing you're doing like sketch, and you're doing storytelling. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, what are you doing like for work now? Are you still doing like, personal assistant jobs, or pretty? Yeah, I mean, oh my god, I did so many. I like I worked for a long time for um, a woman named Kathy Smith, who I'm still very close with. Uh, she her she, her claim to fame is that she is America's. Um, I forget what we her her sort of title is. It's like America's fitness guru. Okay. So she was like a you know huge uh, workout video lady in mm-hmm. the um, in the like eighties and nineties and um, and even when I was working for her and she was like in her fifties and um, j- was such you know a powerhouse and and still is and mm-hmm. she's sixty four now or something like wow. that and. When she moved to Utah, but she'll come to LA and we'll like go out to lunch or and sometimes we'll like go to a spinning class or something. And mm-hmm. I cannot keep up with her at yeah. all. And she's just an, a machine and she's so awesome. But it was just like, which well, anyway, weirdly that job was, uh, another thing that kind of segued me into writing because, uh, we were kind of a two person office and she's doing oh, all this different stuff and I somehow started writing her newsletters for her, like okay. go, like ghostwriting her newsletters. So I, I, she was like, "You're weirdly good at like capturing the voice of like middle aged women who want to learn how to like, <laughs> you know, tone their abs." Let's back to Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and uh, and she really, really encouraged me. And I was like, I, "Yeah, I don't care about that. I like, I got to go to my audition." Bye. You know, like I, I uh, but. I did enough of that that I that I had kind of a like a portfolio. It was not like a portfolio that I had ever you know set out to create, but and then that kind of got me into copywriting, and I did that for a long time. Um, like you know, just like writing for websites and stuff, and um, that was a great gig. And um, 
and you know and i got to a point where that was becoming a career and i had like a sort of a fork in the road where i um had had done a couple writers assistant jobs and um you know those shows didn't go and um and was now like working as a copywriter and was kind of getting offered like a raise and like mm-hmm. a more serious position and stuff and it was like a good you know it, it was yeah. like who am i to say no to anything and then like right when i said yes to it i got a writer's assistant job and i left and mm-hmm. um and never looked back <laughs> uh so you mentioned before just now that you had a uh, righteous in jobs at shows that didn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, so what's that like? I didn't, I didn't even realize that they, that that was a thing for like pilots or something. Oh, well, no, I mean, I guess the, like they would go for us. Well, I, I, um, I worked on the show, marry me right. on NBC and I did, but I did it for the a season. Okay. It just didn't continue on, I you know, you so mean. there was yeah, no, yeah. no job mm-hmm. to go back to, but mm-hmm. that was a thing that like, I, you know, I got through friends, but, um, I had been doing like the, you know, kind of like writing shows and putting them up. And I think it was, it, it kind of took other, other people seeing that and kind of seeing what I might be good at mm-hmm. and being like, why don't you try this? And it's a, you know, it's not a writing gig, but it's a, it's sort right. of a way in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, and I, so I was super, lucky and mm-hmm. I'm definitely like a, a a beneficiary of of nepotism in in every way you know oh um, so so you is that how you got hired like that's how you, i got hired oh, yeah really? and the right people saw you or the right yeah, people were friends with you yeah and uh you know i i and i mean i think you can have the right friends and be an asshole and it's probably right. not gonna stick you know mm-hmm. uh and uh it was nice because like I, I but anyway the staff of that show was all like just the funniest people i had ever been around and they were all really nice about, about being like like we you know please feel free to pitch and and you're you're here mm-hmm. you know we know you're a writer too but i was so intimidated even though like i was friends with a lot of them yeah. and they were so cool with me it was still like i don't fucking have a clue what i would the, yeah. the few times i did speak up people were like okay anyway well, let's continue <laughs> um, well, so what what is like the general etiquette of uh pitching as a writer assistant i think to- it's like you just follow the lead of your boss and if they want you to like you know sort of the the like more like standard definition of the job of just like being there to take notes and help with administrative stuff and all that just assume that you're there to do that and do the best version of that but if they know you a little bit or they they know you're funny or they know that you are an actual you know writer um you got to kind of let them encourage you right because i have seen it the other way Mm -hmm. when people tried you know sort of wanted to prove something when the that uh that door wasn't really open and doesn't it's not it it does not land Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i and i i loved it so much but sadly that show did not continue uh what what did you know about being a ride assistant before you actually took the job i think i i knew i knew the 
I knew that I would be in the room and that I would be the one person in the room most of the time that wasn't a, a writer and that I was mm-hmm. basically a court reporter to like just take down <laughs> as funny. much, you know, information as I could. And, um, and so that was it. And, but the script coordinator on that show had really like done it. He was really experienced and really smart and he showed me the ropes and like kind of took me under his wing and, um, Cause I did, I, I remember walking in day one, like terrified. It was, it was like first day of school to the nth degree. And, um, later of course, realizing like, oh, there was nothing to be afraid of. Like this is, you know, and after a little bit of time, it just becomes common sense. Cause you're like, they they need, you know, somebody to get down the important information that they're going to have to read later when they do their outline and when they do their draft. And so, yeah. Did you uh, did you ever have the opportunity, or did you ever think the opportunity might come if the show stayed another year to become an actual writer on the show? I mean, I hoped so, but yeah. I wasn't like assuming anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, th- I I can't even remember how it went now. But like, I I think our order, I think when we were when we were waiting to for the pickup to like you know we had like the the. Th- 13 episodes, I guess, and waiting to see if we got 22. It ended up being like, we're not going to give you that, but we're going to give you like five more or so. Like the writing was a little bit on the wall that, um, you know, this show was probably, this was going to be its swan song pretty soon. So, yeah. So how do you know, was there like ever a moment where you kind of, was that the moment where you knew that the show was going to get canceled or something earlier or something? I no, I, I mean, I, I held out hope. I, I, I mean, selfishly, I held out hope because yeah. I was like, if it gets picked up a second season i might get you know staffed um but i remember like frantically refreshing deadline on my phone Mm -hmm. when they were doing renewals and cancellations and everything so but i i but i feel like i remember other it was it was been a while now but i feel like i remember people being like yeah i don't think they're gonna be picking us up yeah it's a great show I thank you. I and agree. A I great mean, cast: mm-hmm. Ken Reno, Casey Wilson, mm-hmm. John John Gimberling too, right? Yes. Yeah. What a. I mean, it's a yeah. dream team. Yeah. I know. I know. It was a real bummer. And the creator of Happy Endings too. Yes. I mean, this is like yeah. Yeah. He's that he David Casp is my comedy hero, mm-hmm. but um, and so and all those people were. It was really really a like really really cool learning experience. Mm-hmm. So after the show gets canceled, uh, what do you do? Are you still so you're, you're doing copywriting stuff? I think I yeah I think I was like freelancing as a copywriter, mm-hmm. and then I and then I was a writer's assistant on bajillion dollar properties right. on CISO. Do you know mm-hmm. that show? Yeah, yeah. And um, how did you get how did you get that job? That was again through friends, mm-hmm. and um, and that and that was like they knew that I had actually now I'd actually done it before right. on a real show, and so mm-hmm. um you know i did that and but this time that time i did get to do Mm -hmm. a lot of writing Mm -hmm. even though the show is partially scripted it's it's like mostly an improv show but Uh there's weirdly a lot of writing involved um real quick so you say you got these jobs through friends mm -hmm. i guess were you just making these friends through doing like comedy stuff or yeah and and a lot of them were that that is like the one good thing i will say about nyu is like Mm -hmm. most of my best friends are people i went to college with or people i have met through that group of Uh friends so i still have my kind of college crew but 
everybody but like one or two people have moved to LA. Okay. Yeah. And then um so so for college I guess you're saying that you really liked it. it ended up working out for you really well because of networking. Uh, yeah, I hate to call it networking yeah, I know, it's like I that there too. but yeah. you know um but yeah, it would help me in that like I didn't have to network as hard. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was a different form of network. I I I had such a solid foundation of friends. And a lot of those people were people who just kind of got their shit together um, career-wise much earlier than I did. So I was like, cool, I'm going to be riding your, <laughs> your coattails now. And so they were, you know, and um, and so Kulop, who created Bajillion, mm-hmm. is a good friend of mine. We didn't go to college together, but we're, you know, kind of part of that group of friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she was like, I'm, you know, I want this to be a transitional job and I want you to, to pitch and to write and everything. And I mean, God bless her. I, I got to, and it was amazing. And so then when Bajillion got renewed, I did get to go back as a staff writer. Right. So, uh, so how does the the process of writing that show work? Um, it's really, uh, it's interesting. It's like, I guess pretty similar to a scripted show in a lot of ways, except you're never going to do full, um, you know, episode drafts. You're, you're, you're going to do your, your, your final draft is basically a, an outline. Right. And so you, we have to, cause there's like that show, there are two elements to it. There's like the office plots, just like the workplace comedy that happens between the main cast. And then there are all these guest star, plots where it's just like and those are all shot in these uh real estate i don't know if i need to tell people what the show is but it's a it's like a kind of a parody of million dollar listing and it's sort of shot like a reality show but sort of in the vein of like um burning love you know it was like right. it's like super guest star driven and amazing like funny all, basically all because everyone in the comedy world loves cool op and so they she has this like crazy parade of guest stars but so the challenge to writing it is you can't really write like those guest star stories have to be completely modular so that you could plug them into any episode because it's going to be based on this this guest stars uh, availability and you might you just might have to do it last last minute so anyway you're sort of you are doing like a season arc and episode stories, but those are just about the main cast and the office mm-hmm. plots, and then you're writing all of these like wacky guest star, you know, roles that could kind of be plugged in anywhere. And then Cool Op really like creates the the all of that in editing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, in what ways was like being a writer's assistant at Bajillion different than Marry Me? Um. Well. I mean, it was, it was similar in that, like, you still got to take notes on all of the pitches that everyone's doing and, um, you've got to help, um, make sure the scripts which in our case, you know, we're just like outlines, but that the right versions are going out to production and, um, you know, Marry Me was a big network show, so we had mm-hmm. a like a writer's assistant, and we had a script coordinator, and we had a writer's PA, and this was more like the writer's assistant had to also do the script coordinating. I see. And so, um, 
I was doing that, kind of making it up as I went along, honestly, because mm-hmm. I hadn't really done it before. But so that was a lot of like production stuff. Um, but it was, but it was different for me personally because I I now had been in a room and kind of understood, and so I it had I, I had some more confidence and and um and so when you know when my boss said I would like for you to to also contribute and stuff I actually like took it and ran with it mm-hmm. and probably too far. I think there were probably many times they were like, can the writer's assistant shut the <laughs> fuck up? But, um, uh, but it was great. And so it, it, it was good. Cause by the time we got renewed and I did get to go back as a writer, I was like, Oh, I definitely know how to do this. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, you know? Yeah, so uh, how'd you make the, like the transition from writer assistant to staff writer? Was that I guess you said like was Kulop thinking that at the very beginning that you'd uh, end up being a staff? I don't writer? know. I mean, I get I I don't know. But I'd have to ask her. Yeah. But I, I I felt pretty good by the end of the of our first the first yeah the first year we actually did two seasons in one like block. So we did seasons one and two, and then and then we took a break, and then and then while we were waiting to start seasons two and three, she told me like, I want you to write on the show. And I was super excited, but Mm -hmm. I was also like anything could happen. And what, you know, maybe like the network won't let her hire me or something, you know? So I Mm kind of like, didn't get my hopes up and I was a writer's assistant on another show and had been there for only like a few weeks or maybe like maybe a month. Mm -hmm. And then finally got the sort of official, offer to go mm-hmm. you know be a ride around bajillion and um and left and i was so scared i was like am i I'm, am i gonna screw my current boss over or anything right. and they were like no please you gotta go right, it's, yeah. we totally understand also like you're totally replaceable like a lot of people <laughs> want this job don't worry about it so uh- so yeah, you, so you guys get renewed for two seasons at a time. Mm-hmm. Does that change the way you write stuff, or do you have like more I mean, lax or kind of? Because I mean, they do they shoot everything. You're also the the writing staff's not that involved in production because okay. um, it's all sort of like block shooting, and so we would do. I don't remember the how many the rooms were short. It was like. 10 weeks or 12 weeks or something. And then they would start shooting right when the room was done. Mm -hmm. So you just had that much time to break two seasons. And, and I think we would talk big picture stuff at first. Like this feels like a season three thing that feels like a season four thing. But I think for the most part, it was like these first few weeks, we're just going to be doing season three stuff. And like, we'll, we'll get that into a good place. And then I think there was like a, a natural break like a holiday or something and then we come back and then it's time to work on season four mm-hmm. i think i don't know i can't remember it Damn. wasn't that long ago there's no reason i shouldn't remember but that's crazy you guys are breaking that much story yeah it's in like really such a short weird. time i know and like yeah and and i think because it is an improvised show you know you just have to make everything super clear and so it it becomes like more work in a way and in like a good way, you mm-hmm. know, you have to make sure the story is like really clean and clear so mm-hmm. that you can give this like little one page to the cast on the day right. and they'll understand what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where sometimes with like fully scripted stuff, I think you can kind of like use the dialogue to, uh, you know, cover up all of the places that like you haven't really figured oh, stuff right. out. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? So, uh, so you're not on set at all. Like no writers are on set at all. Like during the, it. a couple of the like producer level writers okay. would, would yeah. go to set and, and I would go to set oh, just uh, one second. Did something unplug? Oh no. Hello. Can you talk? Hello, hello. Oh yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, so let's just say, uh, well, just take it from producer. Do you want to just say we were cut off for a second in case, and I'll see if I can find? All right, it. cool. Like, yeah. We'll have that in the event that I can't. Yeah. Uh, we were cut off for a second. Yep. We're back. We're back. So you were saying that uh, some producer level writers. Yeah, they would they would stick around and be on set, and the rest of us would like I I would go to set here and there just to hang out, just to like watch. And, um, when they, like this past year they, they were doing my episode. And so I just went to set for a day just to watch. And I, I like pitched a little bit, but there are already all of these, they, they didn't need me. Let's just say that. Like they, they were doing just fine <laughs> without me there. Uh, so what have you like learned from bajillion dollar properties? Like in, oh my God. in terms of writing and stuff? I don't know. I mean, um, I guess it was kind of, it, I don't know, like, in a weird way, it felt like a, I mean, the people who, who were like, who really like kill it at that job are people who are already kind of like speak UCB language and are experienced improvisers yeah. themselves and everything. And, um, and so we had like a lot of those and I was sort of like, I had taken classes and I had, I had sort of half ass been on a couple of, of teams that I, you know, uh, enough that I could, I still, I, I, you know, spoke the language and everything, but, um, not nearly to the degree that like the, these other guys did, but it definitely helped. It, if anyway, it felt like a master class in, in improv, in a, yeah, even okay. though I wasn't doing any actual improv, which is the, my favorite way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, were you guys like kind of uh, riffing a lot in the in the room to help do stuff? Or I, I mean, I get yeah. Everyone, you're always like yeah. you know doing bits and stuff in in the room. But I think it's more just an understanding of like what's a really how can like well we will talk and talk and talk and talk about a story idea, but like how could we condense that in one sentence so that it captures like what's funny about it right. and it's really easy because. You can't give someone like a full page of, you know, dialogue and, and direction and stuff and be like, here, improvise this. Right, you right, know right. what I mean? You sort of do have to be able to like, like uh, crystallize it mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a sentence. And so, um, yeah, it's, it was hard. It was yeah. like definitely out of my comfort zone in, in some ways. But I also like so was in love with everybody in the room and um it was great i was very spoiled i was like <laughs> i'm you know i have nothing but good things to say about it uh so season three and season four are coming out um uh, i think three comes out in june okay and then four will come out uh probably the end of the year ish 
Um, I don't think they've decided on that yet, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now you're working on the, the TV reboot of Heathers, right? Yeah. Uh, how'd you get that? Uh, uh through friends. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is like, I, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, this guy's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, it's like you, I, but I've lived in LA for a hundred years and yeah. you, you know, you do, and I've been, you know, sending my script around to, everybody and just being that annoying friend who would try to like ask for favors but not too much and, right um and uh so it was just you know a friend who knew that i had been kind of like hustling in that way for mm-hmm. a long time and had read some stuff and i think liked it or uh, you know enough to hire me i guess but mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, it was all, and at the time it was going to be a half hour, you know, comedy. Still uh, super dark, obviously. Right. I don't know if you remember the movie. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's a very, very dark premise and a really dark world. And it's, it's you know, satire and, and super funny. But um, right after they got picked up, um, they decided to just make it an hour instead. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, holy shit, that, that's a whole other world I know nothing about. But right. It actually hasn't been as, I, I guess it's kind of the way we we break the stories and we're very early. We've only been in it for like three weeks, so mm-hmm. who knows. But um, it, it wasn't like, I don't think, it, it's not like working for a like a, like a Shonda show where you have right. to write to these five hard act breaks. You know, it's not right. really, it's just kind of like we just figure out what the, story is that we want to tell in that episode and make mm-hmm. sure there are some cool like set PC moments and enough funny stuff and um and just sort of trust that the the act break stuff will take care of itself right uh how do you like update a series like Heather's like I mean J- Jason McAuliffe who's is the creator of the show is mm-hmm. the one who updated it mm-hmm. uh, he made it um all it's present day mm-hmm. and it is kind of just a reverse of the like social hierarchy from the okay. movie. So it, it, you know, in the movie, the Heathers are like three like blonde. Well, I guess Shannon Doherty is one of them. She's not blonde, but you know, very kind of like typical eighties, um, um, mean girls. Right. And, uh, and in, in our Heathers, the mean girls are, um, a black lesbian and a gender oh, queer okay. guy yeah, yeah. and uh and a, a a fat girl a body a body positive yeah, yeah. girl who um is referred to as the fat girl uh mm-hmm. in a positive way mm-hmm. by everybody um and so it's kind of a you know it's a lot of like there's a lot of like social commentary yeah, yeah. stuff and uh i guess the idea is like that uh there's you know there's always going to be a power vacuum um mm-hmm. and that there, I, I don't know if <laughs> maybe yeah. there's a danger in being too progressive or something i don't which i don't necessarily mm-hmm. agree with but it's just a funny like sort of flip right of, of yeah. That. yeah so uh someone heathers seems like way different than like bajillion dollar properties yeah and stuff so how do you like uh like go from working on that to this is it like is it like much yeah it's really different i mean 
they're like the total opposite ends of the spectrum. But honestly, like both times it was just like everybody in the room is super smart. And both times I've gone into it, like, I don't really know why, I don't know what I'm bringing to the table. Like this is, uh, am I the wrong person for this job? You know? And then you just kind of get the hang of it and you, you just try to like, listen and be as supportive as possible, whatever's going on. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess they're, they're, they're very similar. They're obviously like super different shows and super different tones, but the experience on the, on the writing end is kind of similar because you just have to kind of constantly remind yourself that Mm -hmm. like, I'm here to support the, my boss's vision and, it's not about me and right. um, it's okay if I don't, you know, pitch anything that blows anybody's mind today. I just have to like keep listening and keep trying. Mm-hmm. Do, do you prefer writing for one over the other? Like, or like the type of writing, I guess. Oh man. I mean, um, God, ask me in a couple yeah. months when we're done. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's so early. It's hard to say. I I I love them both. It's like asking yeah. me to choose between my children. You know. <laughs> well, is is your like personal style like closer to Heather's or or like? I don't. Something? I guess I. I guess it's honestly probably somewhere in between. Yeah. And yeah. I'm also still figuring it out. Yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. I get. I guess I there was a point where I was like I'm this kind of writer, but uh-huh. th- that changes the more you work and and Mm -hmm. stuff so but yeah i i guess um it is funny that but that they are kind of like two extremes and they're Mm -hmm. on you know these two ends of the spectrum and i i I probably am somewhere in the middle between the two Mm because bajillion is like super just hard comedy and Mm -hmm. the funniest thing always wins and we're you know generally not too worried with like being grounded or anything because that's just not what people are watching the show for. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Heather's, even though it's like, it's satire and there, and really crazy shit happens in it. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's grounded and, and the comedy just comes out of behavior. You know, it's not, it's not like a joke driven thing. Right. So yeah, I love both, but Mm -hmm. I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Mm hmm. Uh, so while you're working on all these shows, are you working on your own stuff or? I mean, yes, a little bit. Like I, um, I had a long break in between bajillion and this. Um, so I didn't work for like four months, which was terrifying, Mm -hmm. but, um, I did write another spec during that time and, um, and then, did you write like a pilot or like a spec of a pilot? Yeah, yeah a yeah. spec pilot. Sorry, and, I guess people um, don't. That's always weird because like people seem they like, that's like totally like done like writing like specs of TV shows. I mean, yeah, which is weird to me because it seems like it would be the most helpful thing right. if I were uh, uh, running a show and needed to know if somebody could write it. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you are if you are entering any of those you know um, fellowships pr- fellowships, yeah, yeah. then they're great. And so mm-hmm. um, I which I entered those a couple times never got in but <laughs> it was it was really good because i i never would have written a spec script otherwise right. um but but yeah weirdly even though they are two different things people 
I, I'm saying spec in the sense that nobody yeah. paid me to write right. it. I was just writing a pilot mm-hmm. to have one, you know. Um, so yeah. And then, but then now that I'm working, I'm kind of just doing that. And I have like a couple development things that I'm just the, sort of waiting on and we'll, you know, hopefully get them going when Heather's mm-hmm. is done. So, yeah. Do you ever like, do you ever think about moving into like features or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, um, I've talked about it a little bit and, and, uh, been talking to one, um, producer about doing something together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, I definitely would like to, I, I it's, it's hard to imagine cause I, the little experience I have is in TV and, um, obviously I love movies and would love to do them, but seems more like it's something I will try to learn about and try to like experiment with. But, um, you know, I features are a whole other world and they're Mm -hmm. like, they take forever and they don't get made. And you know, you're when, when you're used to TV and you're used to knowing like, well, somebody will see this eventually somewhere, even if it's not, you know, huge. Um, yeah, it's a different world. Do you have like any tips for uh, young comedy writers out oh there? Oh god. <laughs> um I guess uh, well keep writing obviously yeah. every just keep writing and just finding ways to get people to to read your stuff and um um man I mean and as yeah, and as as I'm sure everybody's so tired of being told to create their own work, but like, I do think that that's huge, and I also think that like, if if people like you and they know you're good, they're gonna find a way to help you. Everybody, you know, that wants to do that. I think um, mm-hmm. on on some level, I think I just like when I was younger, I didn't have, I, I didn't have like a, like a script I could hand you and be like, this is my thing. Or I didn't have, you know, right. I, I guess cause I was vaguely focused on acting, even right. though I was never focused, but <laughs> I, I just, I did have this sense of like, I hope somebody hires me up. Someone helps me, but I didn't even know what I wanted to be hired yeah, for, yeah, yeah. I, you know? So if you, so I guess that's the other thing is just like, have a really specific idea of what you want to do. These all sound like the most obvious fucking <laughs> tips, I guess. I, I don't know. Just keep doing it. Well, they're all they're all true though. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so we're gonna wrap up with you giving some thoughts on some sketch premises. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so, so not qualified. The, to do the this. most always the most awkward part of the podcast oh boy. for everyone. Well, please know I am the least uh, qualified person <laughs> to do this. But okay, so here we go. Oh, and I also, these are kind of some half-baked ideas here, but uh, this is just kind of a phrase here. The Mayan calendar girl. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Um, I'm trying to picture what, who who would play her? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like Angelina Jolie like 10 years ago would be pretty good. Like 20 years ago. I'm a Jennifer Aniston fan, so that you're... you're, Oh, sorry. So, yeah, I mean, you lost me there. (laughs) Oh, you just really have the smart water. I am. I was just going to say that (laughs) we're drinking giant smart water bottles here, so you scored points with me there. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, so I was watching Top Chef the other day, uh-huh. and I thought of this because they were like, really sad to leave. Oh, um, like when they get voted yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know why I thought that was so funny when I was watching it. But yeah. So like a TV competition where people can be, compete to be the hostage that they don't let go. Like, Wait, sorry. So like, yeah, I know it's, it's yeah. It's, uh, so like when someone's like holding people hostage, like oh, so lot, you're like, like there's a group of hostages yeah. and you know, which normally you'd want to be released, yeah. but this is like, uh, uh, what's it called when you um you fall in love Stockholm with Stockholm syndrome? Yeah, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, to, yeah. To oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's kind of a Stockholm syndrome. Maybe that's the name of your show, of your <laughs> Stockholm sketch, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the idea. It's complex. I guess it was really complicated to explain, but. Yeah, yeah. I guess, well, I guess you would have to um, prove your worth by being the biggest asshole, or you know, I, I mean, right. it depends on why they're holding you hostage. Right. But I'm into that. I think you're onto something. Yeah, I was thinking that like they're have to prove that they're more valuable. I guess to stay, like they're more people care more if they got. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's it. I mean, yeah, you're because that is essentially what reality shows are. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right. Oh, this was a, a strange idea. Uh, Howie Mandel uh, presenting his thesis that America has talent. <laughs> so it's like Howie Mandel having a thesis presentation, just proving that America has talent. Is, wow. that... is it like a TED talk? Or is he? Um, that'd be better. Yeah. Let's do. Yeah. Let's say it's a TED talk instead of a thesis. Yeah. And he, I mean, God, I would love to know who his examples are. Are they literally the kind of people who are on America's Got Talent, or is this more of a political? Yeah. Content? No, I was thinking. Yeah, it'd be like he'd be like saying like, "Oh, this is this uh, magician that was on," you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't know. I just thought that was funny, just him presenting a, like a that America has talent. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is funny. But that the. The show America's Got Talent. I haven't really yeah. watched Me it, neither. but like I'm vaguely aware of it. But it feels like that kind of already is his thesis. It, That's you know? true. I guess but, maybe it just maybe he like maybe the like, sketches he like opens an episode saying like uh, and now welcome to my thesis presentation. America's Got yeah. Talent. I think I just like the phrase of Howie Mandel doing a thesis. I on like America. it too. I, I, but I don't I know also, if it's a sketch. Well, I think it's it could be sketch if it was like. A thesis about why America does not have talent. Oh, you that's get interesting. some cutting political commentary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. That was that was like the one of the less awkward times I would say that we've done that. So oh, thank wow. you. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show. Anything you want to plug? Uh, God, I don't know. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I don't know. What's your uh, Twitter handle? Matt McConkey. There, there you go. Very easy. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes, Zachary Glassman for providing this awesome logo, and Justin Arbabi for producing the whole show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and like and follow on Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you next week. Mm-hmm.